You know, uh, something that as uh, as life has progressed for me is I have realized that we constantly have to be on the lookout and to be watching out. Uh, for whatever reason, I, I, I thought maybe as I had gotten older that I would be a little bit sharper and better and able to notice uh, what it is exactly that would be coming my way. And, and a lifetime of experience seems to have shown me the opposite of that. When I was a kid, I often worried about being lost and, and being separated from my parents. So I was constantly trying to keep one eye on wherever they were at uh, so that I wouldn't lose sight of them. I saw Home Alone at a very young age, <laughs> and it just stuck with me. Uh, you know, and, and then as, as I got older, uh, into my teenage years, some of the fears I had dealt with friends and loss of friends and, and figuring out what friends are and which ones you can trust and, and be faithful to. And uh, then as I got into college and, and into graduate school, it was uh, watching out for those things I needed to know in order to succeed and learning what I needed to know and what I could just gloss over and skip so as not to take up too much space in my brain. And now, you know, as, as an adult and as someone who is dealing with uh, uh, kids, I am, I am watching out for little ones that run right around me uh, because at any moment I could squish somebody. And so that's a very big fear of mine and, and something that I, I try to watch out for those little fingers for everything I have. Uh, so what is it for you today? In your age or in your place in life that you are, you are constantly on the lookout and watching out for, or are you? Is it the heckler? Is it the person in your life that uh, seems to keep dragging you down? Watching out to make sure you're not too close to them? Is it just watching out for yourself? I mean, after all, that is pretty much what... Uh, what we're all organized in society about. Watching out for numero uno. In some ways in our, our gospel text serves as a bit of warning for us. And it tells us what it is that we are to watch out for. And in fact, we learn that the Christian life really is a life that is lived with your eyes open. Because we know that the darkness of this world can creep up quickly. And we have the light to see. And so our eyes must be open. And not even just for ourselves, but for our neighbors. Because so often our neighbors have them closed. So often our neighbors find themselves lost. So our lives, the lives of those who have been baptized into Christ, is a life to have your eyes open and watching. And even waiting. Our Matthew text is a text that seems to be encased in a lot of things around it. And I, I, I kind of wonder why is it that it has just been pulled out the way that it is. But, but as you enter into this text, what we are missing is all that goes on before it. Where we have John the Baptist send his disciples to Jesus. As Matthew chapter 11 begins, we find that John the Baptist is in jail. He's in prison. And he's been in prison because he has spoken up against those that are in power and authority for the way in which they live their life. And they execute justice. 
their justice was missing, as was their morals and their ethics. And John the Baptist, as he is preparing the way for the gospel to come in this world, nobody, nobody was set aside to be missed by him. So even those in authority came under his judgment, came under his preaching and his teaching, and it got him put in jail. And while he's there in jail, he hears of the things that Jesus is doing throughout throughout the land. He hears of the preaching and the teaching. He hears of the signs. He hears of the deeds, is what the scriptures say. And so John sends his disciples to Jesus and asks him, Are you the one? And Jesus responds to him. Now what is peculiar about this is that if you know the story of salvation, is that John the Baptist knew Jesus. As Jesus walked along, behold the Lamb of God. John the Baptist is the one who baptized Jesus. John the Baptist is the one who says that he is unfit to tie the sandals of Jesus. And yet John the Baptist, in the midst of his prison cell, asks the question, Jesus, are you the one? I had always glossed over this story, one that I had set aside until I heard a sermon given by a Dr. Norman Nagel. And and Norman Nagel had had this way of preaching. And if you can ever find his sermons, they're great. he's, He's now since been called home. But Dr. Nagel made a point about this sermon, or about this this story is that any one of us, in the midst of our prisons, in the midst of our entrapments, find ourselves asking the same question. Jesus, are you the one? Can you possibly be the one? Oh, maybe, maybe you are someone who has excelled and has never ever experienced that type of doubt. In which then I find myself in the place of Job's wife asking you this question. Have you remained so steadfast in your integrity? Because wherever there is sin, there can also be doubt. And each of us have found our times in jail in different places and different ways. Whether it is imprisoned is this same thing we keep returning to no matter how many times we try to set it aside. This one thing that seems to keep that thorn in our flesh that we cannot escape. That one sin that we keep going to. To where even as everybody else may know me by my name, what I see when I look in the mirror is that one thing. That one failure, that one sin, that one identity, that one thing that I cannot seem to escape. And because I cannot escape it, I must ask the question, Jesus, can you possibly be the one? Maybe the prison where you find yourself keep running through the mill. You're on that rut that seems to never end. 
You keep living this life where, where sooner or later somebody has to break in and tell you what this thing is all about. You find yourself repeatedly asking the same questions, returning to the same things, much like a dog returns to his vomit. And all you want to do is break out. Jesus, can you possibly be the one? Jesus, in his response, says to the disciples who have come to ask this question of Jesus, Jesus says, go and tell John what you hear and you see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up. The poor have the good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. I'm not really sure what John was expecting to hear. I'm not really sure what his disciples were expecting to hear. I kind of think he was hoping that in just one word the jail cell would pop open. But Jesus' response to him is to look and to see what it is the Son of Man has done. To those that are blind, they now see. To those who have the spots and the marks of their own sin on their body, they have been removed. And to those who find themselves among death, they're being raised up. And those who are poor, those who are there poor in their spirit, trapped in the jails of their own sin, struggling to find their identity, their hope, their life in this world, why they've been preached the good news. The shackles have been set free. So it is the case for you. The good news has been preached to you, and with every word, Every act, every deed of our Lord, the kingdom moves forward. Every week during our service, and several times throughout this week in this building, a prayer is said, and hopefully it is said in your homes as well. And as part of that prayer, we say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And what we are asking and seeking in that prayer is that all of those deeds of Christ, all those acts that He has done among the poor and oppressed, among the sick and the ill, among those caged in their own prisons, to be known and move forward into this world. To with every baby born, may His Word be planted on their hearts. To every person struggling with who they are, may they be known and called by His name instead. With every person trapped in their addictions, every person found in their hatred, may they only be known by His love. Thy kingdom come. And may the dead May the dead rest in the knowledge that life eternal 
is coming. This is our prayer. This is a statement that we make together as a community. This has been commissioned and handed to you by Christ. And this is His answer to John, and it is His answer to you. That from the time of John the Baptist to this point and forward, the kingdom pushes itself into this world. And brings hope where no politician, where no ideology, where no philosophy, where no education can ever breathe life to the depths of our hearts and our bodies. This kingdom is different from all those others because this kingdom is built on something. I started to realize why nobody uses umbrellas in Seattle. (laughs) This morning, very early, as I, I was walking here, it was still in that nighttime rain. And I thought I'd take my umbrella. And the thing about the umbrella is that I need to hold it a certain way so that it covers my backpack where my computer is. But in order to do it, I have to hold it at an angle and for whatever reason, the, uh, the wind seems to think the other idea is better. And so it keeps grabbing it. And so I'm holding tight onto it as if, as if I'm ready to do a baseball practice of some sort. And I can't do it because the umbrella, despite my best efforts, catches the wind. And so often in our world, our governments, our philosophies our own wants and desires become like an umbrella catching whatever wind is blowing whichever direction. And so we find ourselves organizing our ways in which sin is going. Whether we're hating this group or that group. Whether we're thinking this idea or that idea. Whether my wants of this time match this or my desires over here point that way. But with this kingdom, it is actually built on something solid. It is built on the one who built the foundations of this world. It is built on the one who first spoke things into existence. It is built on the one who has conquered the death that is before you and has brought you life now. It is built on the one who can actually come and heal the blind, let the lame stand, and raise up the dead. The only one who can beat back poverty of spirit and poverty of health built on Jesus, the one who has been sent to bring this kingdom to us now. And so in doing so, he gives us also a warning. What is it that we are to say of this generation? I feel like every generation has said that. I'll leave it to the older people to correct me. But what are we to say of this generation? Are they like children standing there, playing the flutes and calling to their playmates, we played something and you didn't dance. We played a dirge as if they were Lutheran. And you did not mourn. 
We find ourselves in a time where it's entertainment at our heart. Where the world loves to play its songs and to distract. It cries out to those that come in righteousness and faith. And for those that come in righteousness and faith and don't eat, they're criticized for the way in which they live their life. And for those that come in righteousness and faith and stand strong and true to the Word, they're criticized for the way they live their life. What are we to say of this generation? What are we to say of this time? The warning that comes to us in Matthew chapter 11 is to not be distracted by the kingdoms of this world. To not be distracted by the culture that continuously blows with the wind of this world. To not be distracted by the hatred of the preaching and the teaching of those in power and those below of this world. But to rather keep your minds and your hearts set on the kingdom that moves forward. The kingdom that advances in grace. The kingdom that has come to take away sin and give you forgiveness. The kingdom that has come to conquer death and to grant you life. Keep your hearts and your minds there. For in that is eternity. For in that is hope for this world. For in that is our message for in that is our kingdom coming. This text shows to us what has been done to bring us this message. Since the time of John the Baptist, resistance has come to this kingdom that is pushing forward. Violent men try to take it. They took John the Baptist's life. They tried to take everything from Jesus only for him to beat them in resurrection. Martin Luther lived his life on the run, and so we today, bearing the truth, will find resistance as well. But we are part of a kingdom. We are not alone. We are standing on something far more solid, something that doesn't move and doesn't blow with the wind. So I suppose to end... My ending would be this for you and my Reformation message this year. is to keep your eyes open. Because as you do, you also see the light of Christ coming. You see the ways in which He has worked in this world and brought forgiveness to you. You see the way in which He tries to transform and He pulls your heart along with His. But keep your eyes open. Do not be distracted by the things of this world, but rather bring this kingdom forward to this place now. Amen?